0: To be a Christian is to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. It's called Christianity. Christ is the one we know, believe in and follow. He is the way and we follow Christ. It's Christ who is the one we focus upon. We we believe in him. And only him. We don't believe in any other religious leader that has come and gone down the years. However big, however much an impact they've made upon the world. We don't even believe in some of the great predecessors of Jesus. Like, like Moses or, or Abraham or David. We believe in Jesus. Jesus. And one of the things about being a Christian is that we see, by faith, Jesus as the Lord and Saviour. The one who gave himself on Calvary's cross, bearing on in himself our sins, and we're trusting in him. But there is another tremendously important aspect of the Christian life. Absolutely tremendous. And I think in some measure it can be mistaken. It can be neglected. It can be completely ignored. And that is this. God has sent his son to die upon the cross. He came into the world to be our saviour. But God has also sent the Holy Spirit. That is absolutely important that we realise, as the old hymn puts it, the Lord Jesus Christ is our advocate above in heaven. And the Holy Spirit is our advocate above within. Now, it's quite easy to be a little bit upset and concerned about the use of the term the Holy Spirit, because there are some kinds of Christianity which go under the umbrella of the Holy Spirit, which is really rather off-putting and disturbing. But We've got to leave those things to one side. And we must recognize this. To be a Christian is to experience the Holy Spirit. And to experience Him in a very deep, powerful way. Jesus put it like this. We need to be born of the Spirit. Born. As we were born physically of our parents, so we need to be born spiritually of God by the Holy Spirit. If you forget the Holy Spirit, you're making a big mistake. Keep those two words, those two lines of the hymn in mind. Jesus is our advocate above and the Holy Spirit is our advocate within. We believe and we trust in the Lord Jesus only, but we know and experience the power and the presence of of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And Paul the Apostle has been writing to these Galatians. They've begun to shift their church and faith ground. They'd started off by believing in Jesus. In Jesus as the only saviour. And they'd begun to drift and move and, and began to take up a sort of a a mixed kind of gospel. Oh yes, it was believing in Jesus, but it was a case of mixing the old Jewish ways with Jesus. And they were sort of saying, oh yes, you need to have the old Jewish system with the gospel of Jesus to be a real Christian. And so the Apostle Paul writes this epistle And he says, No, the only Savior is Jesus. Salvation is through faith in Christ alone. Our forefathers put it like this by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Okay? Alone. Alone, alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. There's no religious ceremony, there's no religious person, there's no religious power and life outside of Christianity and the gospel of God. And Paul has been stressing the importance of the working of the Holy Spirit. Now when a person becomes a Christian... Paul then stresses that there is a difference. There is a new kind of life. And well, I I went to my choir practice on on Thursday morning and one of the gentlemen there, he brought a box of apples. And he said, hey Val, do you want some apples? Well, we've got more apples than that could sink the, you know, a ship. So I didn't want his apples. He said, I can't. I can't give them away. There's, it's been a good apple crop this year, apparently. Plenty of apples growing. Fruit growing. And the fruit of apples is everywhere, apparently. And the fruit of the Spirit is to be everywhere in the Christian life. You can't make an apple. You might copy, but you can't make an apple You can't get plasticine, you can't get flour, you can't get any fabric, any material, any substance, and make an apple. It's got to grow on a tree, hasn't it? And you can't make a Christian out of any other religious system, out of anything you can do. It's only by the Spirit and the Christian life is the fruit in the life of the Christian. He, he, he makes himself felt and known. So when you become a Christian, things are different. Things are different. And Galatians chapter 5 makes this very clear. It calls The way we lived naturally before we became Christians and the way we behaved and how we carried on, the the, the Bible calls that the works of the flesh. That's what we are naturally. That's how we function. That's the way we behave and the way we live. The works of the flesh, and there's a real list of them. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if we live that way, we won't inherit the kingdom of God. But, the fruit of the Spirit, when a person becomes a Christian, there is a new life within. A new life within. The Spirit makes us new. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. And we want to look at joy in these few minutes. Christians have been called killjoys. Christians have been called miserable. And of course sometimes Christians can be miserable killjoys. Yes, in the wrong way. But we've got to be very clear about this. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, the Bible makes it clear to us to think about and understand and realise this, there are some ways... And some practices and some things that we do which are called the pleasures of sin. They make us feel happy. There is a pleasure in them. But they are sinful. They're not right with God. We're not pleasing God. But the Christian is to look for the joy of the Lord. So see the difference the pleasures of sin, the joy of the Lord. We've got to get this clearly in our mind. If I'm a Christian, if I say I'm a follower of Jesus, it will be seen by the way I live. And one of the ways in which I live, and will show this, will be in this area of joy. I'm not saying you're going to go around all the time with a sickly smiling smirk all over your face. We're not talking about smirky happiness. But there is joy in being a Christian. The Christian life is built on God. We heard before from Karl that this creation is the way it is because God is. And the Christian life is the way it is because God is joyful. God is a God of joy. Now some people can't take that. Whenever they think of God, they think of a sort of a a, a grand superior being who's so high up there... That, that really, he can, barely, he can barely lift a smile, raise a, a look at us. He's, oh, he's just sick of us. He's angry with us. He doesn't want to know us. He's fed up with us. He's going to knock us for six at the end of the world. Some of those caricatures are only partly true. What we're focusing on now is this. God... Is a joyful God. And if you go home today and you say, Well, I didn't understand much of what Baal was talking about. Well, if you think of this, God is a joyful God. Just remember that. God is a joyful God. How many words is that? Just remember those words. Yes. Think about Him in those ways. Think about God. As a God who is glad. And one of the things that makes God glad. Is Jesus. Jesus gives God every cause and every reason. To be happy. Before Jesus was born. When he was. Before he came into the world. Isaiah the prophet wrote these words. Speaking on God's behalf. Speaking for God, Isaiah says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. God delights in Jesus. There is a warm pleasure. When Jesus was being baptized, God says, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God was delighted with Jesus. God was pleased with Jesus. And we read in Hebrews chapter 1. When when God exalted Jesus to the highest place in heaven. God says this. Your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness. More than your companions. So God. God Is a joyful God. He's not miserable. He's not boringly dull. He's happy because he's got so much to do with Jesus. Jesus makes people happy. Okay? Okay? Real happiness is found in knowing and loving and being loved by the Lord Jesus himself. But there is another way in which we see God's joy brought out in the Bible. The Lord Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son and the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And when the shepherd went out looking for his lost sheep, he found the sheep, he put the sheep on his shoulders, he carried it back and he put it into his fold. And he sends to, says to his friends and neighbors, rejoice with me, for I have found the sheep which, I, which was lost. And Jesus is just telling a simple story. Lost sheep by shepherds. It more than likely happened every day. And sheep went looking for lost shepherds every day. So everybody would know what, was, what he was talking about. But behind that story is this great truth. That God. God is glad. When someone comes to him and says. Oh God. I've sinned against you. I'm sorry, I don't want to carry on like this. Please, for Jesus' sake, forgive me, and help me to live for you. Do you know what, God, as we would say, he is delighted when people turn to him like that. Delighted. the motto of the Christian is this the Lord has done great things for me and I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad now we, we find in the Bible that this joy is a real part of the Christian life we've seen in Galatians 5 it's the fruit of the spirit in Philippians 1 we read of the joy of faith are you Is is believing in in God and believing in the Bible a problem? Is believing in Jesus hard? Are you at work? Are you at college? Are you at home? And the way people get at you, and the way the television comes on and says things, and you think, oh, you shrivel up and you wonder. (laughs) No. The joy of faith. To believe in Jesus is absolutely wonderful. It's something that you've been given as a great privilege. We read in Romans 12, there is this side of Christianity where we rejoice in hope. Christian, you're going to heaven. That's your hope. That's something to be glad about. You're not going to be spending your soul, your existence in an eternal place of loss and ruin and destruction with no enjoyment of the love of God and the kindness of God. You're going to be Christian with him. That's your hope. Be glad that that's the way it is. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Paul writes to the Thessalonians, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. So joy then, joy is such a big part of the Christian life. And if this series on the Holy Spirit here at your church can help you to think of turning a corner of having your eyes open wider, of of seeing a new vista of experience ahead of you. You've been a Christian for so long and you've grown and you've developed. and Yes, but you want to grow further and you want to see more. If you can see, if God gives you the the ability to see the joy of the Holy Spirit, knowing Christ, loving God, that's your way forward the fruit of the spirit is joy how do we learn how to rejoice how do we do it that's always the question isn't it how to do it how how another big question is why the unanswerable letter question why some quiet sometimes <gasps> we don't know the why's but the other big question is how how do we rejoice in the lord Well, the Bible again helps us. The epistle of John says this. These things write I unto you that your joy may be full. Christian, you're going to develop and you're going to grow and you're going to enjoy the Lord more as you absorb as you appreciate him as you find him in the scriptures. The more you know of God the Lord Jesus from the Bible the deeper will your joy become. You can't know God and Jesus without becoming joyful. These things write we unto you that your joy might be full. That's why I really had read that Isaiah chapter 12. Oh, I love that chapter 12 of Isaiah. What a word, God. God was angry with us. He was angry with us. But now He comforts us. He comforts us. What a word. And the comfort God gives. Is a personal comfort. It's the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. God comforts us by the Holy Spirit as we realize His anger has passed away, taken away from us, and now we are saved and we can drink of the Gospel. We can take of the Lord Jesus. We can eat and drink and hold and embrace the Lord Jesus again and again and again. We can drink of the wells of salvation with joy, says Isaiah chapter 12. Joy in God is such an important part of being a Christian joy in God is precious it is the joy that the soul needs above all other kinds of joy the things that will make you happy there are people that will bring a measure of happiness if those people weren't there we would be sad But the joy in God is the one we need most. Absolutely. The joy in God is the opposite to that grief which the world is going to experience in the last day when they see Jesus as he is. The Jesus they've despised and rejected. The Jesus they don't want when he appears, they're going to be looking for somewhere to hide from him. There'll be no joy then. There'll be no escape then. The joy in God is knowing his love. He's loved us before we became Christians. He loves us now. he loves love us forever the joy in God a joyful Christian well it's the mark of a soul in good condition joyful Christians are healthy believers the sound if you put the get the doctor with his stethoscope and he taps and he pats puts the you know, stethoscope on and all this oh yes sound as a bell joy in the believer you might say wish I was joyful I'm a Christian you're a Christian sometimes you're not happy sometimes we're we've been hit in life and it hurts and while we're hurting it seems we can't be joyful sometimes in life we have a permanent problem we struggle with day after day month after month that won't go away Well, the Apostle Paul, he was in prison one time. He'd been beaten, lashed. His back was torn, blood all over the place. And with his pal Silas in this jail, what did they do? Did he get like me sometimes? Get so low... God's forgotten me God's let me in left me in this lurch God oh god what did he do he sang praises to god with his back bleeding when he was hated and rejected and not wanted He had an ongoing problem. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. It was something that was in him that that really he said, Oh God, please take it away. We read this in one of his epistles. He had something. We don't know what it was. Some people say it was bad eyesight. But we don't know what it was. But he had this in him, about him, which he struggled with.
1: And he said, Oh God,
0: take it away. And God said, My grace is sufficient for you. So there's this apostle. He's got this ongoing, lasting problem that won't be removed. His back has been torn by a whip. And what's he doing? Singing God's praise. This joy in the Lord is bigger than our personal feelings and our individual circumstances. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. It's the working of God. Are you a Christian? Do you know what it is to admit to God and say, "O oh Lord? I've sinned against you. I've gone my own way. I realize now I am in a mess. Forgive me. What's God done for you? What's he done for me? Because I, I prayed that prayer. That's me. If I wasn't in Christ, my life would be such, such a desperate mess. But what does God done for us? Well, in the Lord's parable of the prodigal son, what does he do? He goes home with his dirty, rubbish clothes on. And what does his father do? He gives him the best robe, a clean outfit. And what also does he do? He says, I'll go home and be a servant. I'll work amongst your servants. And what does the father do? He gives him a signet ring. Showing he was his son. He'd walked all the way. And his shoes were torn and broken. And what does his father do? Gives him new shoes. And then he gets the best animal. And he prepares a lovely feast. Now my dear friend. Imagine the father. Sitting there. All his family, friends around him apart from the eldest son who's out and they are happy now imagine that young son who's just come home as a sinner and he's sitting there and he's sulking and he's miserable and he's unhappy and he's thinking of what he's done and he's thinking of all of the things. Oh, I wish I was back there. Or this and all that. No, 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 no. It was most out of place. That, that young son needed to know the joy of his father. And we Christians, we need to be those who appreciate it the joy of the Lord may we get near more and more to to Mary when she realised about the coming of the babe Jesus she sang these words my soul magnifies the Lord And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Saviour. Christian men, Christian women, young people do think much about knowing the joy of the Lord. Not the pleasures of sin, not the happiness of this world, I remember ministering to a family well a woman and her children in my first pastorate and this this young woman her son was there and she was saying about her husband having left her and she was with tears in her eyes weeping she said "I, I just want to be happy I want to be happy she was alone. He'd left her. She wanted to be happy. remember this all my days, 30 odd years ago. People want to be happy. In itself, that's not wrong. But, there is a joy which when that happiness isn't there, When that happiness isn't there, there are many single Christian men and women. There are many people whose partners have moved away. Husbands and wives have moved away. And they're now feeling alone. And they're not happy with their situation. They look back with pleasure on those occasions when they were happy with their loved one. Many of us can look back on happy childhoods, happy experiences in life. But that kind of happiness, it comes and goes, it ebbs and flows. But there is the constant joy of knowing Christ, the Holy Spirit. May that work in us. May it radiate May it be seen, may we experience more and more the fruit of the Spirit, which is joy.